what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Hi, this is Alan with the quick announcement about something really exciting going on here at The Mesh over the next couple of months. The Mesh is celebrating its first six months of operation by giving one of its listeners an iPad 2. And the more you listen to The Mesh, the more chances you have to win. Here's what you do. Listen to any episode for any of the shows that we have on our Mesh network that we post between January 1st, 2012 and March 31st, 2012. At some point during those episodes, and that includes the one you're listening to, you will be given a code for the contest. Write the code down, visit the Mesh's website at themesh.tv, and you'll be given instructions on where to enter your code and an email address. You can enter one code per episode with your email address. So if we post 100 episodes between January and March of this year, and you listen to all 100 of them and get 100 codes, that means you'll have 100 entries into our contest, 100 chances to win that iPad. Uh, there will be other information on the Mesh's website about this contest, other rules, regulations, some other uh, legal jargon we got to put in there. That's all on the website at themesh.tv backslash contest. That's where you can enter your codes, and you can also read a little bit more about the contest itself. We really are excited about this contest. We're excited about giving one of our listeners a great prize. And we just want to thank everybody for an incredible first six months of The Mesh. We look forward to providing you with outstanding content for many, many more months to come. Thanks. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello and welcome to Foot Candle Films. I am Alan. With me is Chris. Hello, guys. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing well. Good, good. Well, we are here to uh, have our uh, episode where we do a review. We've got a review show for today. Today we're going to be reviewing a film uh, that has just come out. It's a 2011 film, but we just were able to screen it with the Foot Candle Film Society tonight. So we're going to be discussing an Oscar-nominated film, uh, My Week with Marilyn. Gentlemen, it is my special pleasure to introduce a woman who clearly needs no introduction. A very great actress on her first trip to London. Marilyn, is it true you wear nothing in bed but perfume? Oh. Darling, as I'm in England, let's say I sleep in nothing but Yardley's lavender. <laughs> I long to see her. This story describes a miracle. Miss Monroe? Marilyn is not ready. Excuse my horrible face. A few days in my life when a dream came true. My Week with Marilyn. It's directed by Simon Curtis, uh, who is not a well-known director here in the States, but my understanding is he's done a lot of work overseas in the UK, especially in the TV world, starring Michelle Williams as the iconic Marilyn Monroe. This film is based off of a memoir, uh, supposedly a a real-life situation, where uh, Miss Monroe spent some time in the UK filming a film with uh, Laurence Olivier, who is played by Kenneth Branagh in the film. Uh, But the the movie is primarily taken from the standpoint of uh, the third assistant director, I believe yes. that was his title in the that film, third assistant director of the production that both uh, Olivier and Marilyn Monroe are working on, uh, who becomes very close friends with Marilyn during this week, uh, yep. hence the title, My Week with Marilyn. So 
we've got Michelle Williams and we've got uh, uh, Kenneth Branagh kind of as the two leads. We have uh, Eddie Redman, who I'm not familiar with, playing the lead role of Colin Clark, who's really the uh, protagonist, one that we're really following along and listening to during the story, right. uh, who's based off of the real-life character who wrote the memoir. We also have a lot of other bit part actors uh, kind of making small roles here. Emma Watson from the Harry Potter franchise. Right. We've got uh, Dame Judi Dench, Toby Jones, who I've always liked. Uh, playing a lot of different smaller parts in the film. So it was a well-rounded cast, uh, but it is a biopic. So with that, Chris, I'm going to turn it over to you first because I've got a feeling, a hunch, that you're not a big fan of traditional biopic biography films. And I'm wondering if, and maybe it's just a hunch I have, but I'm wondering how you rate this as truly a biography film, because it really is. It's just looking at one week as opposed to a whole life. Sure. How did you feel like it worked? Did it, uh, did it do anything for you, or was this uh, more of the standard fare that you would expect uh, from such a kind of a, a, a tested medium like a biopic? Well, I will say that as far as you know, biopics go, I, I think this achieved giving us an accurate, as much as it can, portrayal of what a week was like in this shooting of this film um did it give me any insight really into what any of the people really like in real life like Lawrence olivier marilyn monroe or the narrator colin what's his last name Can't remember. Clark. clark colin clark oh, was cc the name of the, uh... not cc deville though yes. um yes yeah, so in that i think it, you know it didn't try to do a whole span of time show you this mm-hmm. person's whole life so i did like that aspect um and I, I feel like I did get a little bit of information about what Marilyn Monroe was like a little bit, you know, a snapshot per se. I will say a weakness of the film, pretty big weakness, was that the Colin character to me was so dry and there was just nothing there for me to really latch on to. Or maybe he was just so stereotypically cut from the cloth of, oh, here's a guy who wants to be in Hollywood and all mm-hmm. these things are going to happen to him and he's going to be lucky that he gets to meet these big stars and, oh, they're actually romantically attracted to him and he just looks into all that. That I found him very cardboard and very one-dimensional. Ah, and maybe that, that was, was intentional. One-dimensional was, was my word. Yeah. Maybe that was intentional so that you could you know, say like, oh, I could be him and I could see myself through him or whatever. But I just found him really irritating um, and I didn't... I nothing against the actor, I guess, because I don't know what he was given to work with. I mm-hmm. haven't seen him in any other things, so I can't really compare him. But I just didn't really bond with his character at all. I didn't find myself very sympathetic with what he was going through as far as being torn between should I hang out with Marilyn Monroe or Emma Watson, the costume girl. <laughs> like, yes, you know, right. I just felt like it was very self-serving. Now, it is based on a memoir. Yes. So um, I will say that I guess in defense of the memoir, he didn't always paint himself in the most positive light, which, you know, if you're doing a movie about yourself, why wouldn't you make it just sound like, Oh, I'm great. I'm going to make it. Mm. But, um, there's some narration at the end that I really had a problem with. Well, yeah, I think you hit it for me. I really like this film except for the main character. (laughs) I mean, really that was, I just don't think, uh, and there again, I don't fault the actor. It's just, it was a very one note performance. Yes. I'm the happy go lucky young kid. Who's just willing to do whatever I need to do to get in the film business. And, Oh, I just happened to hit it off with Marilyn Monroe after meeting her twice. And we go spend a week together and now I'm heartbroken, but yet I'm a happy heartbroken at the end of the movie because you know, everything works out for me. It does. And and I agree with you. The end narration, (laughs) little voiceover was just unnecessary and, 
very cliche. However, that being said, I'm going to turn to the positive because that okay. was one thing I did not like about the film is his character, very one-dimensional. It's the word you use, I completely echo that. Everything else about the film I loved. I really, really liked Michelle Williams' performance as Marilyn Monroe. I mean, I honestly forgot it was Michelle Williams about 10, 15 minutes into the film. Um, I just think she nailed that performance. And there again, I'm not the biggest Marilyn Monroe uh, buff, I could not tell you all the details of her life, but I felt like I was watching a really, really good approximation of Marilyn Monroe up on the screen. I thought Kenneth Branagh was really good. He had a little more of a showy role. He had a little more of the, he had definitely added more of the humor element at times too. Sure. I think it was a little over the top at times. Really? A little bit. Really? I thought the accent kind of came and went a few times. He had the very distinguished accent sometime and other times he didn't and but I still loved his performance. Even though I thought it was a little over the top, I enjoyed it. It was fun. I think the film needed that to kind of keep things lively and to keep things moving a little bit more. Right. Um, so really, every other element of the film, the look of it, the productions of it, of it look, was great. It was just, I really, just like you, I didn't like that main character or the way they wrote it. And you knew where this story was going. Right. It was telegraphed from minute one. You knew exactly what was going to happen over the course of this film. I was okay with that as long as I enjoyed the ride. And I did enjoy the ride except for when it was so focused on that main character, um, the Clark character. That's when I, I just lost interest I, because you're right. I did not like him as a character. There was no, there was no other dimension to him. I, you know, I mean, you, you go and you fall supposedly in love with Mar- Marilyn Monroe for a week and then, she, you know, no a spoiler alert. Sorry, but you know, Obviously she does. Out. Obviously she doesn't stay with him. I think anybody who knows her life knows that she did not stay with this guy. Right. So, but yet it did not seem to really affect him. It didn't seem to really bother him. I, I just everything was just too good for this guy and just too happy go lucky and just kind of moving through life. I don't know. There again, it's based on his memoir. That's the way he wrote his memoir. More power right. to him. But I do think it was. Uh, I was always a little tough. That, that was just the one element of the film that really didn't hold up for me. Well, I think it was it's a disservice to him, maybe, the actor, Redmayne, who played the Colin character, that other minor characters are much more interesting than oh, he is. Oh, absolutely. Just like about Judy, every character. Judy Dench, who played Dame, Judy Dench, who played Dame so-and-so in the actual movie. Forget the character name that she played. Mm-hmm. But she played a famous actress in the Royal Shakespeare Company that was in yes. this movie that they were making. And um, she, her presence on screen, what she would say was very meaningful. And it's so interesting. Even actually, I, I like the bodyguard oh, yeah. that actually was around Marilyn Monroe. And it was like any time that he was not the main focus and somebody else was delivering dialogue or somebody was occupying the screen with him, it was interesting. Yes. Anytime he was the main focus, I was just like, yeah, you're, you're boring. Yeah, yep. I, and I, could, I never got any his character never got any depth. Whereas like, even you felt like the bodyguard who was a little bit more wise to the world or whatever, he had much more insight to offer. And therefore yeah. it was more interesting. So. I, I think we're on the same page with this. Sounds Although like I did really like the film. I'm going to go ahead and go on record as saying I liked it. It was an enjoyable film. Um, I, I, there again, I'm a sucker for, you know, if somebody, if they're showing some great performances, it's a well-made movie to me. It doesn't matter how predictable the story is. Or how many times I've maybe heard a similar story. Sure. If it's performed well, I'm going to watch it and enjoy it. 
that was the one weak element was the fact that I just didn't like the main character, the way he was written and the way he was performed. Uh, but the rest of the film was great. It carried it along. It is still a good recommendation for me. I will tell people to check it out, especially if you have any interest in the filmmaking process, mm-hmm. the history of Hollywood, Lawrence Olivier. There's a lot of good little informational nuggets about their relationship. This film that was made with the two of them, um, some of her backstory, a little bit, not a lot, sure, yeah. but just enough to make you feel connected with that that Hollywood scene. I thought it was well done for that aspect. I, I really enjoyed it sounds like I may have come off uh, Kenneth Branagh's performance a little more favorable than you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, I've seen a lot of movies of his that he's done, and what I didn't really realize was how, in a way, he and Olivier have, or he kind of parallels Olivier's life. Oh, absolutely. Olivier did a lot of Shakespearean stuff. Kenneth Branagh's done a lot of Shakespearean stuff. He directed some stuff. Kenneth Branagh's directed some stuff. They're just very, and actually played the same roles in the same movies and all this so it was very interesting him getting a chance to play Olivier. Yes. I really, and I guess it was kind of like me geeking out or whatever, but I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed watching that. I and I too. thought he did a really good job. And if he was maybe over the top in some moments, I thought it was him trying to show Olivier being like, you know, it was like, I don't know. It I didn't, was him I didn't feel putting like it was Branagh hamming it up. Yeah. It was Olivia uh, hamming up. And so that you may was be right of, with that. I could see that as well. So uh, The thing that just bugged me is I did think his accent was very inconsistent. Uh, that threw me off a little bit. Um, and I'll just, I'll give, I'm going to give one technical nitpick, and this is mm, so okay. nitpicky stuff, but this is the kind of stuff. The mole? Or no? No, no, the mole. Somebody in the crowd claims that the mole moved mm. from one side of the face to the other. Did you? Totally. It yes. did? Okay. Which I'm sorry, in a movie about Marilyn Monroe, with that's like her trademark was her mole, and yeah, I mean the yeah wow. it seemed like okay. it messed up a little. Bit. I did not notice that, but a couple of people after the screening did say that to me. Yeah. So very interesting. Um, you know, there's a lot of times where they're watching dailies in the screening room. Sure, it really just bugs me. We know what film looked like back in 1956. Mm-hmm. We know what the end film looked like when it hit the screen. The film they're watching in the screening room is not the film it, that to me it looked like video. It, it looked like, like a, it was a, a very video. glossy, high production value video, video. of their dailies, which yeah. is not at yeah. all how the yeah. film really looks. That threw me out. I mean, if you're going to make this authentic, which just about everything else in the film like was very watching. authentic, don't cheap out on that one aspect. Give us a little more, you know, give us a little more realistic looking film up on the screen when they're watching the, the dailies in the screening room. There again, very minor technical nitpick, but that's the kind of stuff that really bugs me. I'll say that the acting was good. I feel like the screenplay maybe lacked in some that mm-hmm. didn't develop certain aspects. But one of the memorable lines that I felt was pretty impactful, which there again would only come across in the screenplay. I doubt Colin actually came up with this line on the spot when Marilyn confronted him. But they're having a conversation, which was an interesting scene. She's feeling very vulnerable. She kind of confides in him, and she's like, what what's the deal? Why, why does Olivier hate me? What's going on? And he very artfully says, Olivier is an actor that's trying to be a film star. You are a film star who's trying Mm -hmm. to be an actor, like a stage. And he said, it's not, it's not working for either one of you. And that kind of summed up the entire movie as far as the dynamics between Olivier and her. And I thought that was very insightful. Do I think he really came up with that on the spot, like they show in the movie? Mm, probably not. Yeah. But it was a very cool. If he cool, did, that was a that, very that was cool amazing. line to come up with. Yeah. <laughs> but um, and, and it was a very. It's kind of how I had to look at the film instead of. Was it really giving me any insight into either one of them? Well, maybe not. But just the dynamics of 
them trying to work together in two different ways of acting, which I never really realized. I knew Olivia was a stage actor, but I never knew Marilyn Monroe was supposedly a method actress, Mm -hmm. which I've heard a little bit about that acting method, and it gets all absorbed, and it's really kind of get kind of crazy, but I never really realized that she was into that. But according to this movie, seemingly maybe well, she was. I kind of got the impression from the film, and that, that is a subplot that's kind of going along in the film, that she's not punctual on the set. Right. She's a little difficult to work with. She, she has to be just in the right frame of mind to go out there and perform, which is very much like a lot of method actors are. I got the impression, though, that they were wanting us to believe in the film that her acting coach who is with her along uh, at her side, the whole film, right. Um, played by, gosh, I'm going to forget the name here, but anyway, uh, played by a good actress. I just, I, I uh, Zoe Wanamaker, uh, okay. playing her, her, her acting coach, Paula Strasberg. Um, I think they're wanting to give you the impression that maybe Marilyn's not meant to be a true method actress. Mm. That almost like she felt like she had to go down that path to try to be a good actress. But I kind of got the impressions that the time she was best on screen, was when she was just being herself and being natural and having fun with it based on her time with Colin. That's when she really shone on the film, well, not when she was so engrossed in that method acting. And Olivier actually seemed to, now, yeah, Olivier seemed to indicate that as well, that he had a lot of problems working with her. Mm-hmm. But when he would look at the dailies that you were discussing, he would look at some of the things that she was doing and she would be just kind of not... um Improving it, but in a way, kind very of doing that very playful. Yeah. And he was like, "She's genius," but the reason she's genius is that she doesn't know that she is, yes. and she, you know, she's just kind of making it up. But that's that's her brilliance. And he's yeah. like, he's kind of said, "That's something I could never do." Is do that? I, so, I think they were trying to give us the subtle message that the method acting wasn't really working for her, right? And it wasn't helping her mental state and her situation where when she just relaxed and was enjoying herself, even for just a brief matter of hours, which is all she ever seemed to enjoy herself really for, which was just a very yeah. brief amount of time. She was really good on the screen. So I think that was part of the method with that too. It, it definitely made me a little more interested to hear more of this backstory of this Olivier directed film starring Marilyn Monroe, the two of them working together. It was Marilyn's only film she ever made out of the U S. Oh, um, okay. And after Olivier directed this film, he didn't direct another film for almost 20 years um, because of the experience working with her. He just was fed up with it. He didn't want to deal with it again uh, with anyone. So it's a lot of interesting backstory to it. Did you ever see the film Me and Orson Welles, Richard Linklater? No. Okay. Almost identical storyline to really? it. Young whippersnapper kid who wants to get into the film business or theater business. Uh, just works his way into the RKO studios, gets to hang out with Orson Welles. Orson mm-hmm. Welles becomes a little bit of a mentor to him, but then there's like some romantic clash, a triangle there, and hmm. very, very similar. So I, I won't say it's better because I actually think it was kind of a mediocre film, but very similar. If, if anybody likes this film, uh, My Week with Marilyn, that's a good one to go check out is uh, um, me and Orson Welles. From a few years ago. What do you feel like when I was watching this movie, believe it or not, I was kept thinking about a movie from, was it last year or the year before? But um, The Last Station that mm-hmm. told yes. about Tolstoy and kind of fame. Yes. And what that movie said about fame and the toll it takes on family and the toll it takes on you and how you have to kind of be okay with it and how you deal with fame. And in this movie, you know, it's focusing on Marilyn Monroe and how she's acting when she's not even on camera, but yet she's out in the limelight and everything. How do you, what, how do you feel like it dealt with fame, the subject of fame and 
like in this well, movie? Well, it, it, it was very on the surface. I mean, mm-hmm. it could have gone a lot deeper. Maybe that's at times I wanted it to go a little deeper. Right. I thought probably my favorite moment of the film relating to her, her dealing with fame is she and Colin get a chance to go tour Windsor Castle. Mm-hmm. And as they're touring, they're kind of just on their own, just with Colin's uncle showing them around or Godfather or somebody. Right. But then all of a sudden they get down a hallway and all of the, uh, all of the crew, the, the, the workers sure. at, at the Windsor Castle, the, uh, you know, the help there. Right are standing around waiting for her to come down the hall. They all start clapping and applauding her when she just comes walking down. She turns to Colin and whispers and says, should I be her right now? In other words, should I turn it on and be Marilyn Monroe? Marilyn Monroe. And sure enough, she did. She did her little flirtatious look. She did her little poses for the camera. But I, it, she knows it. She knows, right. do I need to be her right now? And it's like, yeah, I'll be her for a little bit. So you get a little glimpses that, you know, she knew what she was doing. She knew how to, to manage that. But then it also, of course, did the cliche moments where she got overwhelmed by the crowd and got all flustered and all upset because people are just all over. Right. So it was very surface dealing with it on the surface. I would have loved a little more of that. I'm always more interested in seeing the true effects of fame on, on celebrities. Sure. It did. Okay. It was, I think what you would expect from, from a, a standard uh, biography pick like this. So. Sure. Yeah. Hmm. Did you have any thoughts on it? Um, yeah, I kind of felt the same way. I, uh, one time she says they have another conversation, her and Colin had a lot of little conversations and she, he says something like, well, if you're so unhappy, you know, leave it. Cause she, you know, it's time, mm-hmm. time she's like, Oh, let's do this. Let's do this. You know, she kind of keeps on coming up with these fantasies that she's kind of living out in her head or whatever to make her happy. And he's like, well, why don't you just leave this? And then she kind of had, takes a moment. She's like, no, yeah, I couldn't. I, and she kind of admits it. It's like, well, I like it. And so I'm going to keep doing it, you know, whatever. So I thought that was, you know, at least a, a moment that, you know, regardless of how it makes her feel or what drugs she might be taking or whatever, she's still, it's still fun to be famous yeah. at some point. Sure. So, Well, overall, sounds like we both thought the film was good. I seem to like it overall as a, as a package a little more than you did. I definitely recommend it to people, especially if you have any interest in, in the history and, and the, um, some of the film history and old Hollywood. Um, but regardless, I still think performances alone carry this film. It was worth watching for everybody but the main character. Sure. Okay. Anything uh, you're saying summary there? So. Yeah, I, I think the, perform- the Oscar-nominated performances are worth mm-hmm. watching it for. Yeah. And, of course, we're recording this before the Academy Awards, although I think we're going to be broadcasting this after. So uh, we don't know if she wins or not. So yeah. we'll definitely wait and see if <laughs> Michelle Williams wins Best Actress or if uh, uh, a little more of a long shot, Kenneth Branagh, Best Supporting Actor right. on this. I think they're both worthy of getting the nomination. Definitely. I think they definitely earned it, both of them. Um, I actually think there's probably a couple other actors that could have squeaked out a Supporting Actor nomination if uh, – if there was a little more room for it. So sure. great. My week with Marilyn, uh, released officially in 2011, just in time for the Oscar season, but it is showing in select theaters now should be coming to, uh, Netflix DVD. I would say probably may, June, July timeframe. So sure. definitely be on the lookout there. If you don't have a chance to see it in the theaters, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will be discussing a little bit of movie news, some, uh, interesting news tidbits that we're going to dissect. Uh, so stick around for that. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. 
Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. So we're back with Foot Candle Films. Uh, after finishing up our review of My Week with Marilyn, it's time to move into some movie news. And uh, just kind of a nice hodgepodge of three stories here, Chris. These are ones where I like to come up with headlines or little stories that I think are interesting in the film world and get Mr. Fry's uh, immediate and uh, unscripted response to each of them. So this is the male grab bag as opposed to the theme that I have to guess. That's right. No, there's no theme with this one at all. Awesome. I will tell you the first uh, news item is very closely related to the film that we just reviewed. Okay. Um, Supposedly they are making a film uh, about the life of Princess Diana. Specifically, the last two years that she was alive. Okay. And uh, go ahead. I'm going to give you a few seconds. Can you guess the famous actress that they have now tapped and signed on to play Princess Diana? Man, that's a tough one. And I will tell you, this actress is not originally from England or the U.S. Natalie Portman. No. Um... I don't know. Depending on how long you wait, we may have to edit this part out. So. <laughs> okay, I won't keep you on the suspense. Okay. Naomi Watts. Oh. Naomi Watts is now tapped to play Princess Diana, and the film is going to be called Cult in Flight. Hmm. And uh, directed by Oliver Herschelbaker. Never heard of him. Don't yeah. know anything about it, but supposedly it is covering the last two years of her life. Hmm. So with that, My Week with Marilyn, we had Michelle Williams playing Marilyn Monroe, and we both agree did a really good job with that portrayal. Yes. Uh, Recently, we've had Meryl Streep playing uh, in The Iron Lady. Hmm. Uh, That is who? Margaret Thatcher. I cannot believe I just forgot that. She wasn't playing, yeah. Yeah. Um, So Margaret Thatcher played by by Meryl Streep. Streep, yeah. Your take on, if I were to ask you, one of the best portrayals you could think of where an actor or actress played a real life person, you know, as a biography, since we're kind of in this biography mode of talking about films right now, is there a portrayal that really stands out to you that you just, you think was a really great job of uh, somebody portraying a real person in a biography? Uh, Yeah. The, the woman who played and I'm of course completely blanking on her name, um, but who, and I believe she won for the queen and oh uh, yes, uh, Helen Mirren. Yes, Helen Mirren. Okay, that that okay. Well, Helen like, Mirren's pretty much got the Queen of England nailed yeah, down. I mean, I mean she's she done it a lot. Yeah, yeah, she knows. But how like to play that, that movie, I I really thought she was awesome okay. in that. Good. So um, and that was a, that was a fairly recent film. I've got yeah. one that's kind of recent too. I thought um, Harvey Milk played oh. by Sean Penn in oh, Milk, yeah. Gus yeah. Van Zandt's Milk. I really liked that performance. Yeah. That was obviously a biography of a real person. Um. Overall, you know, biographies to me are hit or miss. I mean, I think when actors or actresses try too hard just to impersonate the real person, I don't like it as much. I don't mind them adding a little bit of their own flavor to that person as long as it makes sense for the character and still gives me an idea of what that character was like without feeling like they've just got to impersonate the tics, the the, the body tics or language or anything like that all the time. I will have to say, though, um, I'm curious – as to if that movie could possibly be interesting to me. What, um, the, Naomi the Princess Watt, Diana film? Yeah. Mm. Naomi Watts, I mean, I think she's a good actress. Um, I last saw her in uh, Funny Games. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I don't, really, I don't really go see a lot of movies that she's in, but I think she's a fine actress. But just, I feel like that event, well, especially how Diana died, was so televised and there was so much news about it that I don't find myself anxious to revisit. Granted, that was just the last, you know, couple hours of her life. But 
I don't really find myself interested in it. So I'd mm-hmm. be curious what the whole angle is going to be, her coming to terms with not being royalty, her seeing Charles getting involved with someone else. Like, I, I don't know. I'll be interested to see mm-hmm. how it's marketed and how it's played out. But okay. how about you? Is, what's your interest? Like? Uh, really no interest. Ah. Um, generally, I'm not a fan of, of biography films. Got you. Just generally not. Um, my thing is, I, I feel like most of them could be better served by a documentary mm-hmm. than a film that's a dramatic interpretation of their life. Gotcha. There have been a few instances where I, I'm really happy with what they did. Milk, like I just said, being one of those. Right. One of the more recent ones where I really thought that was a well-made biography film. But in most cases, I, I think documentaries tell me a lot more, sure. give me a lot more insight. Um, that's just me. So I, I really don't have any interest. I'd be more interested in reading more articles and seeing more documentaries about the subject. But there again, every once in a while, a biography movie comes out of the blue that the actor nails it. The story is great. It's done in a very creative way and not your typical, let's flash up some intro text and tell you where, what's happened so far. Then we play out this film. Then we wrap it up with some closing text telling you what happens after that. That just gets a little old for me. And I can already see that this film may be going down that path. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Second news item, uh, completely on the opposite direction. The number one film uh, in at the box office this past weekend, at the time of recording this, is the film Chronicle. Oh, so I don't yeah. know if you know much about this or not. Very little, but I actually, if I wasn't trying to catch up on like Oscar movies, yeah. I would really want to go see well, it. Well, I'm curious about it. I haven't seen it either. Uh, PG thirteen, right? What's that? PG thirteen. It is PG thirteen. Okay. It's a. It's one of the found footage films, which is what I wanted to ask you oh, about. Oh, wait a second. Yeah. It is the idea of it, everything is shot from the perspective of one of the characters, like they have a handy cam or oh. an iPhone camera or something. Oh. It's the found footage cam- video, film. Oh. There's been a glut of these lately, yes. mostly in the horror world. Right. But this one, not a horror film. This is more of a kids becoming super powered and all that. Hmm. The premise sounds interesting. The reviews have been great. I will go okay. ahead and tell you that. The reviews, supposedly, they said the found footage formula works really well. Hmm. But my thing is, have you watched a single found footage? This, this And just so everybody listening to this knows what we're talking about. The idea is the film is shot to look like one of the characters in the film is videotaping everything that's happening in the film. So it looks like all footage shot from a camcorder or some other little personal camera. And the idea is that somebody has found this footage after this story has happened or event or something and piece it together and now showing it as a, as a film. So it's, so it's, it's a fake, it's fake film is what right. it is. And it goes to Blair Witch Project. I guess. It's really started back in the Blair Witch Project. Gotcha. Uh, the paranormal activity films, uh, several other horror films adopting the same Cloverfield. model. Cloverfield was kind of an action right. sci-fi horror movie that adopted it, which I didn't like really at all. Um, <laughs> So I'm just curious, have you seen a, a found footage film that worked for you at any point in the, the genre? Did that, did it appeal to you? Well, you know, I was on the Blair Witch bandwagon. Um, I liked it. I saw it in the theater. I knew very little about it and I saw it in a theater full of people and I really, really liked it. Um, Cloverfield, not as much. So I guess mm-hmm. I haven't seen one recently. I did see Paranormal Activity. Nothing to do with the found footage, but the movie was very scary. So I guess it worked on that aspect. But as far as did the found footage aspect work, probably not. Um, well, I, I liked the premise of this movie when I heard about it. Yeah. It was like kids kind of discovering they had superpowers. And it just superpowers it sounded very interesting. But the whole 
found footage thing maybe worries me a little well, bit. Well, I wouldn't let that. Supposedly it works. Supposedly so. it does. And I'll tell you, this is not being too spoiler with this, but the one reason I heard that it actually kind of works in this film is the kids' powers is telekinesis, meaning they can make things move. Mm. So the gimmick becomes that they can actually have the camera floating around them, videotaping them. It's not like a handy cam, somebody sitting there shaking and following them around. They're actually having a camera like following them around, floating up in the air, getting like some cool shots and all. Hmm. So that's in a way, I think a way they try to make it a little more relevant hmm. and a little more of an interesting instead of like what you're just wondering, why are they videotaping when there's something dramatic happening or something, uh, you know, fast paced and why are they still shaking, holding a camera to do this? That's right. the question I think we always get with these found footage is would really, some, would somebody really be videotaping this the entire time? This sure. is happening. Sure. So, the one thing I will mention about this film chronicle that I just thought was interesting, uh, written by Max Landis, who is John Landis's son, I believe. Mm, okay. Um, I've actually seen some of the short films that Max Landis has done on YouTube and online. He does a lot of riffing on pop culture. Um, he's a big superhero freak. So he did a mm. whole little short film about, uh, the death of Superman in the comics back in the mid nineties. And okay. anyway, he's, He's got he's got a good voice. If he wrote it, uh, it's definitely a little more interesting for me. And of course, he's got some good pedigree with with mm-hmm. John Landis as well. Sure. So that adds a little more. It's not just a cheap, low budget. You know, let's go out there and make this cheap low, uh, found footage film. And there no are they no big name actors? No, okay. no, they are fairly unknown actors. Uh, the only one I knew was uh, Michael Jordan, not the basketball player, oh. but there's a kid named Michael Jordan who uh, was in Friday Night Lights, the TV show, for oh, a couple okay. seasons. That's the only one I know offhand. Hmm. Anyway, Chronicles in the theater is number one at the box office. Uh, yeah, there must be something to it. Sure. But I'm actually hearing some decent things, so maybe something to check out. Okay. And third and final on my news item, your take on Robert De Niro. Now, the hmm. reason I ask this is Robert De Niro seems to have new films coming out all the time. He's yeah. definitely not slowing down. One that has piqued my interest a little bit is a film called Being Flynn that is coming out this year. The reason I'm interested in it, uh, it's Robert De Niro and Paul Dano together. Okay. Uh, but it's directed and written by Paul Weitz, who Paul Weitz did uh, About a Boy, mm. did, um, gosh, a couple other really good films. And I'm trying to remember some of the names of the films right now. But he's he generally a writer. Oh, In Good Company. Do you remember that one with uh, Topher, Grace Topher Grace and uh, Dennis Quaid? Right, right. He did that. He did, uh, uh, let's see, a couple other things I'm trying to remember. Um, he did like the American pie movie, the original one, which, you know, the original one was really good. Um, I just, I think he's a good, good director, a good writer. I generally like his work. Uh, Robert De Niro though, man, when did, when was, what was the last good role you remember seeing Robert De Niro in? Oh man. I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of what would be the most recent film of his yeah, man, I'm putting you on the spot tonight. I'm yeah, sorry I don't that, know. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I'm trying to nail down my performances. I guess the most recent thing that I can come up with would probably be his performance in Awakenings, which was a long time ago. That was that was like early nineties. But I'm like trying to think of the stuff he's done since then. Like he There's was in the much. movie Stardust, where he played a gay pirate, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, the Meet the Parents movies, you know, I don't consider those movie movies. Well, I was actually going to um, say the last time that Robert De Niro, I think kind of was entertaining to me was the first meet the parents okay because i do think his he, he played a good role there it was a fun comedic role but you know I, there's just not been much else in the last 20 years 
Um, Not that I can think of. I'm itching for him to be back in something good because, you know, it's just you got to have him in something good. I will say, yeah, I I need a list of his filmography to be able to nail down a good Robert De Niro performance. But I will say that I heard that Martin Scorsese said that after he'd wrapped Hugo, that one of his goals was to get Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio in the same movie together. Because apparently both of those are friends of his. Mm-hmm. DiCaprio is a friend of his, and De Niro is a friend of his, obviously. And he wants to get them both working together in the same movie. So hmm. that's like a goal of his now, that he's going to get them working together. So I'm interested to see with, you know, with Scorsese as a director, I think that that could, you know, possibly well, be a good project for him. I'm pulling up right now as we speak Excellent. his filmography. Thank you, Internet. Yes. Read, read to me some, some... Oh, gosh. Do you really want to hear these? Sure. Just, okay. just rattle them off. Uh, New Year's them. Eve. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is going backwards. Killer Elite. Yeah. Limitless. Stone. Everybody's Fine. Righteous Kill. Wow. Stardust, you already mentioned. Yeah, okay. Stardust. Uh, the, the Good most... Shepherd. It was a good movie. Uh, oh. meet, meet the Fockers, Shark Tale, oh. analyze that, analyze this, uh, Showtime with Eddie Murphy, the oh. score, 15 minutes, Men of Honor. Gosh, this is, this is getting kind of sad. So the, All right, here so you the go. The most recent thing I'd seen him in was Stardust, so okay, I was right. here you go, 1997, okay. Jackie Brown. Okay. I thought he was really good in Jackie Brown. Yeah. Okay, not a huge role. But that was probably the last time I remember Robert De Niro really been 15 being, years yeah, since we've seen really movie. being good. Yeah. Okay. So good. I am hopeful being Flynn, just because I like the writer director, there's still no guarantee. This could turn out to be very, very last 20 year type Robert De Niro stuff, but I'm rooting for the guy. I want him to come back and do something really to just knock us out. How do you feel about Paul Dano though? Uh, not as great. Um, <laughs> He was the one thing I did not like in uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's There Will Be Blood. Mm. I didn't like Paul Dano in that. Okay. Um, haven't really seen anything else I like Paul Dano in. Yeah, he, and Paul Dano was in Little Miss Sunshine. Okay. He was actually good in that, but he didn't talk most of the no, time. No, he didn't. So that helped a little that bit. That helped. Yeah. Um, anyway, we'll see. I'm okay. curious. Robert De Niro's one of those actors. Actually, he's like Eddie Murphy for me. I think I mentioned in one of our very early episodes that I still root for Eddie Murphy. I yeah. really want Eddie Murphy to find a role that gets him back to the status he was in the mid eighties, because I think he's a really good comedy actor. Yeah, did you go actor. see tower heist or whatever? No, I didn't. Um, nothing he's done has made me want to run out and see it. De Niro's kind of in the same boat. I just, there's nothing having Robert De Niro's name on a film right now does not appeal to me and want me to run out and go see it. Sure. I want that to change for both of these guys. So they even did a film together. Like I said, Showtime, which I never saw. I heard it was horrible. Right. So come on, guys. You two, you've still got you it. Do it. You can do it. Just <laughs> go out there and find a good one and go. Huh. Okay. So three news items. Uh, thanks for indulging me with those three and giving sure. me some quick uh, impromptu reactions to them. Something we like to do every couple episodes here is just kind of run through our news bag, see what's going on in the world of film. So with that, we're going to wrap up today's episode, except we've got one last thing to do. Oh, yes. Chris, the code. give me a four-digit code. Uh-oh. Any four-digit code. Just give me a random four-digit number right now. Okay. Uh, let's see. How about 1312? 1312. 13, and what's going to be the – we need some letters in there too. Yeah, right? we'll say Marilyn. Okay. Marilyn. And keep in mind you spell the word Marilyn for her first name. There's a lot of ways to spell Marilyn. So the word is M-A-R-I-L-Y-N-1312. That is the code. For the iPad giveaway, if you're listening to this episode, you can go to the Meshes website. There's a big button for contests on the front page. Go 
Give us your email address and enter the code Maryland 1312. You do that, you're entered uh, in our sweepstakes for a iPad 2, which we will be giving away in April. You have between now and all the shows that were published between January 1st and March 31st. Each of those has a code associated with it. Go listen to as many episodes as you want to, plug in all the codes you want, and you're uh, eligible to win that many times. Uh, a couple of other quick notes. Uh, you can always contact us through the website at themesh.tv. Uh, that's where you can go to see all the shows that The Mesh puts on, including this one. You can go make some comments on our episodes. You can send us an email at info at themesh.tv and let us know your thoughts on My Week with Marilyn or any other film that we discussed. And you can also call and leave us a voice message on the Mesh line. Chris, do you have that Mesh line number for me? Oh, I do. It is 828-619-0048. That's the Mesh line. You can call, leave a voice message. And if you sound really nice and and say nice things, we may even play your voicemail on a future episode. Who knows? knows? Uh, But we'd love to hear from you no matter what medium you want to get back in touch with us on. Uh, The Foot Candle Film Society, we're uh, here in Western North Carolina Uh, We show some interesting films once a month here at the beautiful downtown Carolina Theater. You can learn more about the Film Society at footcandle.org. And with that, we will wrap up this edition of Foot Candle Films. Chris, as always, thanks a lot, man. No problem. It was fun. All right. We'll talk to you next time. Take care. Special thanks to Carpal Toller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Toller, visit www.carpaltoller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.